This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. everyone and welcome to the Young Lion Cast, your fortnightly audio source of all things New Japan Pro Wrestling right here on the Pod Mania Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Rob Good, and I'm joined as ever by Chris O'Brien. How are you, Chris? Still not digging the intro, to be honest. Really? Is it because it's not as musical as yours? I mean, like, we can all agree that my intro is the best. I mean, Garth at least agrees. But it's the only thing Garth likes about me. I think Garth's just a uh, glutton for punishment as opposed to anything. I mean, like, some of them are glorious, especially when... uh, I think, like, me and Garth together happen so infrequently that, like, he forgets that that's what I do. (laughs) It's your gimmick. So, like, he's always... Yeah, he's always, like, taken aback when I do it. Because, to be fair, some of them are great. Like, the one I did for Double or Nothing was amazing, I I feel. That's the only comment we got, and the YouTube video was great intro. Was that the uh, was that the Enzo and Cass one? No, that was for Wrestle Kingdom. It was the um, you know um, Glory Glory Brock Lesnar. I did that, but for Podmania. Ah, uh, nice. Yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that. I feel like maybe your talents are wasted. Maybe, just maybe, I'll let you do it. On I uh... mean, like, I have one. Um, I've written around um, girl of the bad guys want called girl of a smart guy, smart marks want. <laughs> um, actually, speaking of Bowling for Soup, and this is nothing to do with New Japan. This is just because I oh, have a I massive bowl- Alexa Bliss. Oh my god, I'm a huge <laughs> Bowling for Soup fan. Anyway, um, but when I saw that Alexa Bliss had put something on her Twitter saying "Thank you for making this happen, Bowling for Soup," I thought she got a podcast and was just interviewing Bowling for Soup. So I was like, "I'll fucking get in. I'll listen to that on my way to work." No, 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 no. They've done a full-on song and released it about Alexa Bliss, and it's catchy as balls. It is catchy as fuck, but also not very good. That pretty much epitomises Bowling for Soup. Catchy as fuck, but, you know, eh. Yeah, you, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone without, go, without like, a million asterisks attached next to it. They're the only pop-punk band that could play Download Festival for so, so long because no, everyone just had a pisser at them because they're just hilarious people. They are amazing. Um, they also did the Phineas and Ferb song, which is my favourite song by them. Um, <laughs> yes, they did. Yes, they did. I, I got two years ago, so like I'm a Miles Kane fan. Like I don't look it, but I'm a massive indie guy. And um, so I, he played a song called Cry on My Guitar when I was at Transfer. I'm like, oh, that's great. I can't wait for it to come out. The music video comes out and Finn Balor's in it. And really? Like, oh, Finn Balor's... Yeah, Finn Balor's in it, and he's just, it's just, the whole video is him just beating the shit out of Miles Kane. Fair enough. I mean, it, it's what many, many people want in their lives, isn't it? Just to beat the shit out of Miles Kane. Is Miles Kane the I one know. who created the last Shadow Puppets with Alex Turner? Yes, yes. Right, okay. Um, I actually know more about the last Shadow Puppets than I do about Miles Kane. Um, most people do. To be fair, he's also worked with Paul Waller, so like. 
yeah, mediocrity continues. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Were you expecting more of a more of a reaction then from me, Paul Weller? <laughs> yeah, I keep forgetting. Like, I'm, I'm sure if we said it to Garth, he'd be like, "Oh, nice," because Garth never had an over-the-top reaction about anything. But <laughs> um, yeah, even his reaction to Edge returning live was like, "Huh?" No, literally, if you go back and watch, I watched long. He's like, oh, "Nice." <laughs> And like, I was there going, mate, this is like the 10th time I've watched this in the last 24 hours. Oh, that return. Um, oh, Christ. Because you were crying. Honestly, I was, oh, my God, this is this. I couldn't scream as much as I wanted to because obviously my girlfriend was in bed. But I was like, oh, my God, this is just, this is the moment. Because let me get this. Were you, is... trying to ex- were you trying to explain it to her the next day? And she was like, yeah, that's nice. Actually, I know I've, I've learned my lesson not to even try. <laughs> um, what's the fucking point? What do you mean he wears makeup? Have, oh, have you have you revealed um, the fact that um, you watched Stardom to your girlfriend yet? Oh, I think whenever I, it's got to a point now where if I sort of squirrel myself away somewhere, um, my girlfriend knows full well that I am not watching porn. I am just watching wrestling, and I'm a little bit too ashamed to do it in front of her, and she's okay with that. And it's a nice bedrock of our relationship. To be fair, I always try to get if I'm dating someone, I always try. I'm, I always try the waters to see if they'll get into wrestling, and then they're like, "Nah, this isn't fun for me." I'm like, "Cool, we'll just turn it off and watch something else." Yeah, I'd... I think that's the best way to do it. You can't force someone into wrestling. It's like, can you just try it for me? And then if you don't like it, I'll never bring it up again. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever do that with my girlfriend. Um, she did watch. Um, she well, I say she watched. She came in briefly. Um, during um, when did Zack Sabre Jr. versus Evil happen? Um, well, the first time last year at New Beginning. Yes. Um, so almost a year ago to the day, she walked into what we've got a little garden room, which is all wide up, and I was watching the wrestling in there. And she came in, and it was just as Evil came out. And I don't know if you've ever tried to explain to a girl what wrestling's like as Poundland Undertaker is making his way to the ring. Um, but she watched about 10 minutes of the match and all I could get out of her was, was ah, Zack Sabre Jr. is quite fit. And then she walked off and we've never spoken of it since. Yeah, I, I kind of have the same thing. My ex had a had a uh, Finn Balor. That's because Finn like, Balor is an absolutely a... beautiful man. Yeah, he is. I'm like, I was sitting there going, can you at least have a crush on someone who looks remotely like me? Like, can't you fancy Wolfgang or something? <laughs> Killian Dane. <laughs> yeah. No, so literally, I had someone walk up to me at uh, a WWE Live event and go, you look like Killian Dane. I'm like, I'm not that fucking fat. <laughs> I feel like we have talked about too much WWE already on this episode of the yeah, Young Lion like, cast. people have turned off. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who've, st- who've uh, stuck with us, thank you, we appreciate it. Um, on the agenda today, then, uh, as we are recording, it is the 8th of February. I know that we said that we were going to record this on Wednesday. Unfortunately, I had other commitments that I couldn't get out of. Um, so we're recording it today. And you can use this as a preview to tomorrow's Osaka show. Um, but today... We are going to review the two nights in Sapporo. We've also got a couple of things to talk about regarding Lance Archer and regarding the new beginning in the US shows. Um, we've got quite a lot to talk about, Chris, so shall we just dive straight in? I'm not happy about one of the things we have to talk about, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, and I know exactly what it is, but we'll 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 save that for a moment. Um, 
we'll talk briefly. We'll start with Lance Archer. Um, it's become pretty common knowledge that AEW are attempting to sign Lance Archer to an exclusive contract. Um, Lance Archer on the 2nd of February posted a cryptic picture on his Twitter account of a forked road and just a question mark. So whether we see Lance Archer in AEW or whether he's using this as leverage to get a New Japan contract full stop, which he still doesn't have despite having been the United States champion, um, I don't know. It remains to be seen. But Chris, what's your take on this? Um... I'm not massive on people from New Japan signing with AEW just because I don't watch AEW, so I'll never see them again, which is a real shame. But also, I want, kind of want Lance to do what's best for him. But like in terms of who needs what, um, New Japan need a giant more than AEW does. And also, AEW is signing too many people. Like They already have a really full roster to the point where they can't showcase everyone they want to. So they kind of... I've been saying this since the fucking beginning of AEW. We need to stop signing people and just focus on the roster they have. No, I agree with you in some cases. Um, however, you are trying to create a buzz around your product, and one way to create a buzz around your product is to sign new people. Well, Lance Archer, I don't think if Lance Archer were to sign with AEW, he wouldn't be pushing for their heavyweight championship. Um, I don't think he would ever be classed as that sort of talent. Um, but then again, you can argue in New Japan, he's never going to touch the top titles there either. So, you know, you can see sort of what people are saying. I think the main thing for me regarding Lance is Lance is not getting any younger. Lance is 40. Um, he's had a breakout year this year, an absolutely outstanding year, an outstanding G1, um, really, really good run with the United States Championship. But he's 41. He's not signed to a New Japan deal at all, which means that he's flying to and from Texas basically on a paper performance it's not ideal so you can you know aw's on national television every week you get to sleep in your own bed every week you haven't got to put up with the jet lag and everything of japan the japan grueling tours you know you're wrestling once a week and you gain you know relatively good money so i don't want to see lance go i think lance has got a lot to offer new japan whether new japan think this is a a big loss for them, I don't know. Um, I think it would be. I think he would be in this year's G1 Climax. I think he would have a really good New Japan Cup. Whether he gets whether he gets a deal like Moxley or Jericho where they can do New Japan shows as long as it doesn't clash with the AEW schedule, I don't know. Um, I think that will probably be the best of both worlds for Lance. Um, it's just a shame that even after holding a championship, he does not have a New Japan contract. And I know that's the same for Tangaloa as well, who, despite being a six-time yeah. tag team champion and having wrestled for the company since 2014? 16. It's 16. It's right after it's after Anderson and Gallows left. Of course. He came two, in. Yeah, of course, 2016. So having wrestled for them for, you know, four years now, he still doesn't have a contract, and I just found that baffling. I, I just don't understand how that works. New Japan will recover from any... I think they've shown again and again that they will recover from people leaving. Um, it's, it's just a shame. It, it is just a shame for me. 
Honestly, without you, I, it probably is best for him money-wise to like go to AEW and start saving because, like, realistically, he has another five years in the business. Ten if he starts stops taking crazy bumps around people. But honestly, like again, I think he brings more to New Japan than he does to AEW. So, like on a selfish level, I'm really, really want to stay with New Japan because again, AEW don't need a, gi- a giant or a monster. We have enough of them. Like we have Butcher and Blade and. But it's more about don't watch the product so it doesn't immediately come to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't want to see New Japan waste another talent. I just, I, I feel like he's had a great year this year. And, you know, look at that G1 card in Dallas. From what I've heard from other podcasts, I mean, the Super J-Cast have gone on on lengthy, lengthy sort of rants about how the only publicity around Dallas regarding the G1 show was Lance Archer, who, unless I'm very much mistaken, wasn't even on the fucking show. Or was he? In- no, he was on the show, wasn't he? Um, he beats- yeah, he faced Osprey. He beat Osprey, yeah. Um, he was going out match. canvassing around the area. I know, you said this around the time. And it's just like... Um, like you said this around the time as a reason for why... Um he should be in with G1. And at the time, I did. I was just annoyed that Suzuki never made it in. But then he had a great G1. So. Mm. The power of hindsight. We'll yeah. have more on this as the story develops. As of yet, that's all we know. Um, it will be interesting, especially with the imminent arrival of Luke Harper in AEW, who, you know, is a very similar wrestler to Lance Archer. And then you put him alongside Wardlow, who's a very similar wrestler. Um it's going to be, you know, you don't want too many months. And you're right, aside from Farley, really, who have you got in New Japan who can really classify as a monster? You have Cobb once every few does. Well, yeah. Um, speaking of they Jeff really Cobb... really fucked up by letting Elgin go, but also, I guess you can't. I guess you, I understand why they didn't keep him, but also Elgin kills it everywhere he goes, so it's a bit of a shame to let him go. Yeah. Um, there's a pro wrestling magazine in Japan, which apparently is a very big pro wrestling magazine in Japan, a weekly magazine, and they've put out their match of the year, and Elgin is in two of them. So, sort of goes yeah. to show. Anyway, speaking of Jeff Cobb, as we were earlier, that brings me to the new beginning in the US shows. Now, before Chris goes off on his massive rant, which I know he's going to do, and don't worry, Chris, I'll set you up for that rant. Trust me. Um... I want to sort of give you a little bit of a rundown because we didn't watch the shows. Um, I know that some of the matches have been uploaded to World. I've watched a match. Um, I've watched some of the matches. What is your take? What is your take on the quality and the setup and the sort of the the quality of the thing? Um, The setup was really weird. Like they did not do a good job at hiding how small an amount of people were there and if it was a large crowd they were not showing that well there's a fair few empty seats especially in the balcony from what i've seen um the set was basic but the camera work was dodgy like it despite the fact that we're using actual it looked like it was filmed on a phone i don't know how much of that to do with the lighting or whatever but yeah it just looked bad it looks like a poorly filmed indie show i've seen indie shows um better filmed than this so like, i really don't get how the quality works here. Um, like it, an aesthetic that could work if it was shot well. And in terms of like the quality, from what I've heard, the people in attendance enjoyed it. Which if this is just meant to be like a touring brand, is fair enough. But at the same time, the only 
news coming out of this is bad news. So, Well, you alluded to the attendances. Now, I just want to run through some of these for you. Um, the New Japan New Beginning in USA attendances so far. These were Tampa, in which there was 863 people. Durham, 637. Nashville, 560. And Florida, 525. And you might think, well, they did say they were going to do smaller venues. But if I can give you sort of a little bit of clarity on that. Um, Tampa was 863 people, which is roughly 45% of capacity. Um, Durham, 637 people, which was 50% of the total. Um, Nashville, 560, which was about 75%. And Florida, which was 525, was roughly 30%. So in some of these buildings, they aren't even half filling them. Now, if you compare this with Atlanta, which was their bigger show, the biggest show that they were building to on this tour, they were hoping for roughly 1,200 people. They ended up with 855. Now, the this is alarming quite frankly, um, because you are aiming for smaller venues, hoping to fill these smaller venues. Now, me and you, Chris, on this very podcast have spoken about the way that New Japan do their business, the way they announce cards, you know, really, really close to the date, and just hoping that people will sign tickets on the New Japan brand alone, is not good enough. It will not fly in America. I mean, look at... It's not... It's not like WWE. It's not like a WWE or um, anything like that. Where it's not only an established band within America. But like for the most part, New Japan have done spot shows and then have like had one or two tours um, so, uh, beyond those spot shows. And most tours never do especially good either. And they were running big ven- bigger venues then, so there was sort of a there was a reason for the tours not doing good. Like they were really ambitious, but here we're playing it really, really safe. They're not drawing and like. Honestly, part of that is, is to do with like what your tour is head, not headlined by any singles championship. It's all headlined by a, um, it's all headlined by the tag title belt, which could draw, because like G.O.D. are really popular among West, a lot of Western fans. Like people, via, like we'll get into this when we talk about the match, match for what we're going to talk about. But like people defend G.O.D. to the hills. So in reality, they're popular, but like. Yeah, it's just it was never gonna draw. It was never gonna draw well because like this year, yeah, yeah, you had more Japanese stars, but they still look. And to be fair, with even with the commentators, we have a Coke Cabana on commentary, so it, they felt like Ring of Honor shows. Two things that I wanted to say, actually, following on from what you've just said. On Twitter, the main feedback was the most entertaining. I mean, everyone had fun. That's that's important to note. Everyone had fun, but. The most entertaining was Colt Cabana and Toriyano. Now, if you're bringing over the New Japan brand and all you're getting is Colt Cabana and Toriyano, and I know that Kota Ibushi should have been on these cards, and I know Kota Ibushi went down with influenza and couldn't take part, that's fine. You can't do anything about that. You've got to book around that. That's absolutely fine. But the only really, really big New Japan star that was on these cards was Hiroshi Tanahashi. Now, all those... Yeah. All of those amazing little angles that they set up at New Year's Dash, which me and you raved about, not one of these, not one of these feuds made it onto the US shows. Not one. Everything set up the New Beginning shows in Japan. 
Now, for me, this is the inherent mm. issue that New Japan are going to have in running tours at the same time. Because how on earth are you supposed to have Okada, for example, do two completely different tours at the same time? It's just not going to happen. And like you said, not one singles championship. There have been five dates on this US tour. One title defense. And that was the tag belts in the main event of Atlanta. Are you telling me that a juicy, sexy match is a tag title defense with G.O.D., who, despite, like you say, their real popularity, and yeah, they're great, Tamatonga, fantastic, but they are not a main event talent. And Juice Robinson and David Finley, who, by the way, it was David Finley's home, um, sort of home arena, that, I just, I don't see that at all. You've got no, you've got no U.S. title defense. Why on earth is the U.S. title defense? I, I still don't understand why Moxley got the belt. Some, it's because it's not, yeah, no, exactly. It's because it's on um, Moxley, which again is going to lead. It's leading to Moxley versus Suzuki, which I'm excited about. But like in terms of what the U.S. belt is for, like you could have put another belt on Moxley or something. Like there's other ways to get Moxley. There's other paths to get to Moxley versus Suzuki, which shouldn't. Um, compromise your US brand. Like, and to be fair, this I said at the time, this US brand, and I think after seeing this, it sort of confirms it is a bit too late. Like, because a lot of American, like a lot of American people, I think they tune into New Japan because it's not WWE, and now those fans have AEW because all those big draws they were initially coming over with, like the Bucks and Kenny and Cody, they're AEW now. So. Yeah, and I think the elite leaving certainly threw a spanner in the US expansion works. But that aside, there is still so much more that you can do here. Chris, honestly, me and you watch the product religiously. Have you seen one single advert for this tour? No, like they bring it up. Like, oh, this could be settled in America or whatever. But like. No, Kevin this, Kelly this, like, brings it last... up, Chris. That's it. Kevin oh, Kelly no, brings it up. I'm at... Um, for the most part, like America, the, the last few American tours have felt like afterthoughts. Like that last um, West Coast tour with like the California stops, like I didn't even remember they were happening. Like I only remembered they were happening when you brought it up on the podcast. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's I've seen nothing on Twitter until they were happening. I've seen, I still cannot believe that you set up that many feuds at New Year's Dash, and not one of them made them to one like, of these shows. Same thing happened last year, but the difference was there was a reason for that. There was a re like, Ishii versus Nagata was set up, and the reason that didn't happen on the USA tours was because they couldn't get visas. There was at least a reason. This year, they don't have that reason. They had the capability to bring people over and didn't. So, If we look at their big show, then, the New Beginning USA in Atlanta, the show that they were hanging their hat on as being the big one of this tour. 855 people. The This was the final card. So you opened with Yuji Nagata and Satoshi Kojima defeating the team of Alex Coughlin and Ren Narita. Second match is a singles match. Yoshihashi versus Mysterioso, with Yoshihashi taking the victory. Third match, Colt Cabana and Tori Yano defeating Jado and Yujiro Takahashi. Fourth match, Rocky Romero losing to Chase Owens. Fifth match, six-man tag match with the team of Robert Gibson, Ricky Morton, The Rock and Roll Express, and Roshi Tanahashi defeating the team of Clark Connors, Alex Zane, and TJP. By the way, Clark Connors and Young Lion is in the fifth match on this card. Just 
bear that in mind for a second. The sixth match, you've got Jeff Cobb and Lance Archer, with Jeff Cobb defeating Lance Archer in 17 minutes, which, you know, that's the only match so far that I've thought, yeah, all right, decent. And then the match that I know you want to talk about and we'll talk about now, the seventh match, the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship with David Finlay and Juice Robinson versus the Gorillas of Destiny. Chris, that's not... that's. That's not a good card. That's that's a that's a match for headlines a road two show, not a match for headlines at all. That's that is a yeah, you're absolutely spot on. That is a road two show. I mean, you are looking yeah, to like, break the US rematch market. From the Tokyo down. Exactly, it's choice rematch from the Tokyo down, but like it's a rematch from undercard match of the Tokyo down. It's like having a headline by um, Fale, Chase Owens. Yujiro and Kenta versus Ishii Goto um, and whoever the fuck else was in that match, you know what I mean? Jardo was in a match. I'm sorry, but Jardo shouldn't be wrestling anymore. Like, I'm a better wrestler than Jardo in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Usually I go, Chris, don't be stupid, but genuinely, I, I think you might be right. <laughs> That's absolutely ridiculous. No, exactly. like, give me a week of young... Give any... I give any of us, well, especially Rob, because he's he actually looks after his body sometimes. But um, <laughs> give any of us a week of young line training, and <laughs> give any of us a week of young line training, and we could probably do a better job than fucking Jado. Now, I will point out that Jado, I know he was great in his day, and him and Gator was a tag team, fantastic. Oh, yeah. But Jado is like forty-five now, so yeah, but... is he only forty-five? I thought he was like sixty. Oh no, I've just made that age up. He might not be. He he's might 51. be. He's 51, he's, right, okay. He's 51. Um, can you just look up Lance Archer's age? Because I said he was 41, and I think he might actually be older than that. Um, I'm going to check how old Archer is. Archer is 42. 42, okay, I was more or less right then. Right, Chris. Can I, can I talk about this main event? Though? Yeah, I was just going to say... Right, this is, the worst, this is the worst New Japan title main event I've ever seen. Like, but I've seen worse matches because I've sat through G1 and I had 10 down in it. And I've seen worse main events because I've seen main events with Nakanishi in a, ta- in a tag match. But, Jesus fucking Christ, there was such an absence of good things in this match. Like, Juice Robinson's babyface fire does not work in America. Because America seems to have this weird thing about Juice Robinson being a bad wrestler. People call him David Finley not special. He is special. He's had great matches like JY and even Archer in America last year. But people ignore that because he's not in Bullet Club or something. And then, like, you have the Gorillas of Destiny, who their gimmick was fine a year and a half ago, but I'm so fucking sick of them. Like, I looked this up, Rob. Um, the IWGP Tag Team Championship, right, was defended roughly nine times last year. I'm getting the chat up right now. Um, how many times? Ta- times do you, does it did it involve Gorillas of Destiny and did a match involve Gorillas of Destiny or Evil and Snada out of um, 10 matches? Uh, all of them. Uh, not all of them. There was one, two, three, four, four, four out of 10. So like a much higher percentage. The rest of them are like thrown together tag teams like fucking Deuce Robinson and Mikey Nichols. Or, like, the best match on there is the match with Bozzy Open. And, like, I'm not being funny, but that got 12 minutes. So, like, that shouldn't be the best match on there. And that was a great match. It actually didn't get enough time, weirdly. That was awesome. 
It did not get enough, ha- um, it didn't get half the time it needed. But yeah, like there's suffocate. I say this a lot about a lot of people, but like with Gorillas of Destiny, considering how we've been in the tag title scene for like four years now, it's they're suffocating the fucking title. And like Rob, you've you've what you've been watching New Japan for like most of um, for, you've only missed like, a year of God's run. Can you name one great God match that doesn't involve the Young Bucks or Aussie Open? Um, no, I, re- I really can't. That's not me shitting on G.O.D. No. It, you're absolutely right, Chris. This is me shitting on G.O.D. <laughs> I know, but you're absolutely right, mate. I mean... And, like, <sighs> wait. Go on. Just and, and this match was just so paint-by-numbers. It hurt. And, like, I gave it a low score just because the wrong... Like, if it... If, if, Finjuice one, I'd give it a five, but like GOD having the titles back is not good for this division. I don't care if you're going, oh, we need heels to take on fucking Tanahashi and Kota. We don't, because a face versus face match can work. Like, the only good thing about GOD is their theme. Because <laughs> to be fair, their theme is absolute fire. The entire problem that we have had with the tag team division is summed up with the result of this match. Yeah. Gado, great as he is as a booker, great as he is at booking that heavyweight division, and great in fairness as he's been in tag... I don't get how he can't put tag team. Exactly, it's a tag team wrestler. I know, exactly. I do not, I've never understood how... Because, how, to be fair, this tag division has been... Or, goes through spells of being all right. Like, remember 2018, the Bucks versus Evil and Sonata feud? Those matches were great. Those matches were fucking amazing. There was no storyline, though. Mostly because, like, the, um, there, was, there was no real storyline apart from the Bucks being injured, like, the Bucks sold, which is we only ever seem to do against either the Golden Lovers or um, LAX, but... <laughs> I don't know, man. This, this decision baffles me because at Wrestle Kingdom we seem to be going in a fresh new direction New Year's Dash we set up David Finlay and Juice Robinson against Kotobushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi and to then put G.O.D. back in that match and then have them win it again makes no sense. We've seen every plausible tag team defence with G.O.D. in it. Why on earth would you put it back on them? I know that they are the only recognisable tag team now. The only recognised tag team. Which is depressing, apart from, you know, your Tenkoji, for example, who aren't going to be tag team champions, and Finlay and Robinson now. But I, I do not understand where you go from here. Even if Tanahashi and Kotobushi take it off them. I, I just, I don't understand I, why. I see people talking like um, Tanahashi Hello? I see people talking like Tanahashi and... Uh, hello. Sorry. It's all right. Um, I, see people like Tan- t- I see people talking like Tanahashi and Ibushi are going to save this division, but like just them winning it isn't going to save this division because then they're just going to be feuding with G.O.D. for the next fucking year. There's no teams to have a feud with. No, exactly. And like after New, new Year's Dash, we thought we saw three new teams created in Tanahashi and Ibushi... 
um, Shingo and Evo and Ishii and Goto, all of which are really exciting because New Japan's booking around um, tag around tag team wrestling to to hype up singles events should realistically lead to an emphasis on the tag team division. I mean, like um, basically, look at how the Super Junior tag team titles were booked going into King of Pro Wrestling. Where on Destruction you had the tag team match between um, a Birds of Prey and Bullet Club to set up the ELP Osprey match going into King of Pro Wrestling. That's how the tag team belt should be booked. You should have them a main eventer. They're not doing it. Well, that's how the tag team belts are used in Noah and in uh, all Japan. Elsewhere, yeah. <laughs> Which I, I just I don't understand. I, this decision baffles me. It really does. Um, I mean, who are we going to have? The G.O.D. versus Colt Cabana and Yano? Great. Fantastic. That doesn't fill you with joy. That's actually the most appealing match I can think of for them, quite frankly. I just... I... I, Yeah. (laughs) Let's move on from this, because it is depressing. And where they go next... I don't know, man. I don't know. Anyway... We've ragged on the New Beginning in US shows and how they had a severe, severe lack of star power. However, that wasn't the same for the New Beginning in Sapporo shows because these, Chris, were really good shows. They were were really good. They're much better than last year's. Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, yes. um, Like, not saying last year's was bad, but also last year's had Izuka in a featured role. So. Yeah, it had that Tetsuya Naito match and Tai Chi. Um, looking then, should we have a look at night one? Let's go through the night one card. So the 1st of February 2020, and we opened up with the Bullet Club team of El Fantasma and Taiji Shimori defeating Tiger Mask and Yuya Uemura at 8 minutes and 13 min- seconds with the Yes Lock. Um, one thing that I noted from this match, Chris, was just how head and shoulders above everyone else Ishimori is. Yeah, it's kind of insane how how he's a background player right now. But like I guess they're trying to recreate like a Devit thing with ELP, so I kind of get it, but also he's so good. He's so fucking good. All the Noah guys who end up in New Japan are so fucking good. Yeah. Um I like the story with Uemura, how he was, you know, starting hot as fuck and then just got progressively taken apart by the Bullet Club, who, despite what I've just said, have got pretty good chemistry. Um, I thought the bit at the end where you've got Tiger Mask ripping into uh, Uemura for not having enough fire going into the uh, into the Bullet Club team, I thought that was a great thing to add as well. I know I understand that it was supposed to be Carl Fredericks, not Tiger Mask originally. Um, I don't know how that would have changed the dynamic of this match. It was a fun little opener. I gave it six, Chris. Yeah, I'd go six. Brilliant. So, we move on to the first <laughs> six-man tag. I mean, I'll be honest, ladies and gentlemen, aside from the the standout matches, I'm not going to run through every match blow yeah, by not blow. Yeah, to talk about on... Um... There's definitely not a ton to talk about in most of these and um, in anything in like the first three matches. Well, actually, in the first three matches, there's some story stuff, but like that's mostly g- probably going to be covered within the singles matches they set up. So Exactly. There'll be storylines, don't get me wrong, but as for in-ring prowess, 
not a lot. So we move on to match two, six man tag team champion. Uh, sorry, six man tag team championship match, six man tag team match with the team of Toa Hanare, Tomowaki Homma, and Togi Makabe defeating Manabu Nakanishi, who of course is retiring on February 22nd. Hiroyoshi Tanzan and Yota Suji at nine minutes and 41 with the incredibly named Toa Bottom. Uh, <clears throat> Chris, opinion on Toa Hanare, please. He's getting so much better. Like he's actually good. He's not like that annoying undercard dude that he was a couple of years ago. He's like honestly, he, he's being set up for another open weight match, and I'm completely fine with it. That was what I was going to say. Um, if you compare this to the Toa Hanare of last year, um, especially the start of last year, he was a cut above Young Lions, and though that probably hasn't change that much they seem to be having a lot more focus on him he seems to have a f- he was the main focus of this match and certainly the match the following night as well and then going into the road two shows after that he's certainly been a more focused person he had that little promo at the end of his match at new year dash and of course the following night in Sapporo as well i think he, he also get... went over in Re- uh, wrestle kingdom of course he won the first match of the decade uh, in Wrestle Kingdom. Do you know who won the first match of the previous decade, Chris? No, hang on. I'm trying to remember what the pre-show was for... It was for Tag... I can't remember then. No, I can't remember. First person to get a pinfall in the 2010 Wrestle Kingdom was Kazuchika Okada. Hmm. He'd be a young lion, wouldn't he? He was a young lion, yes. So... Yeah. You know, not that I'm drawing parallels between Toa Hanare and Kazuka Okada, but um, if you go on that... I'm just saying I'd rather say Toa Hanare versus um, anyone else than Okada at this point because he's faced anyone. We'll get on to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I don't think Toa Hanare has a prayer if he does go for the Openweight Championship. However, the fact that he is getting that push, the fact that he's getting those opportunities, and if I'm being perfectly honest, the fact that I find him far more easy to get behind than Yoshihashi, which they've been trying desperately to get over for years, I think stands him in very good stead. Yeah, like, given a good tournament, like, if they put him in New Japan Cup and give him a good run, I think he could really show what he could do. Yeah, absolutely. Match three, eight-man tag team match with the team of Taguchi, Rapongi 3K, and Will Ospreay defeating Suzuki Gun team of Zack Sabre Jr., El Desperado, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Dawuuki at 11 minutes and 45 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> with the Dodon. Um, a couple of things that interested me in this match. The first, um, Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr., fucking hell, what chemistry, and oh my God. Love it, yeah. That match. Um Really enjoyed uh, El Desperado and Kanemaru versus Rapongi 3K, even though we are going to be seeing that for, you know, we'll be seeing it at New, uh, New Beginning in Osaka for what seems like the four billionth time. It surprised me that... It didn't surprise me that Dauki, you know, was the person pinned, but it did surprise me that of all the people in the team, Taguchi was the person to pick up the pin for. This is becoming a running theme with Taguchi. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, the Liger match, for example, and then the following night, which obviously we'll get on to in a minute. What, can you think why Taguchi is the man they're pinning these pinfalls on? I think it's literally just to confuse podcasters. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Maybe. 
<laughs> I doubt people give that much of a shit uh, in the New Japan hierarchy, but who knows? Who knows? Um, I don't know. It, it just it built up for, obviously, the Osprey and Zack Sabre Jr. match in the following night and the junior tag match between Sho and Yo and Desperado and Kanemaru. We talked about matches that weren't on the America show. Why could that not have been on the New Japan in USA tour? The show, yo, and Desperado match. Yeah, but I think throwing another tag team defense on that, on that, like, honestly, I'd have put um, Osprey versus um, Sabre on the American shows just because they've had Sabre and Osprey in the American market before. No, in the Japanese market before, but New Japan haven't done it in the American market. So, and they're the two most recognizable British stars. So, I honestly don't know why they didn't do that. And be, and to be honest, you know, we talked before about how Finjuice and G.O.D., but Finjuice especially, aren't exactly, you know, ticket sellers in themselves. I would argue that after the year Osprey had last year and just how fucking good Zack Sabre Jr. is, I would argue that you put that as a main yeah, event of one of those shows, tickets will sell. Yeah, and ZSJ has a history in America with titles. He's PWG champion, Evolve champion, like he has the pedigree to help, so yeah. It's a bit stupid, but what we did. Yeah. Um, match four, tag team match. Robbie Eagles and Ryu Lee, fucking hell, this is a team I'd like to see, um, defeated the Los Ingenobles de Japon team of Bushi and the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion Hiromu Takahashi at 11 minutes and 47 seconds with the Ron Miller special. So the, just... This match was great. This match was absolutely fantastic, touching eight stars for me. Really, really, really high-paced, high-energy. Even Bushi looked good in this match. Um, but I will argue... Well, I won't argue. Think for a minute. Robbie Eagles... <laughs> <Do I have to? laughs> Robbie Eagles defeated Takahashi in the road to Tokyo Dome shows. He then defeated Bushi here, and spoiler alert, he then defeated Bushi again the night after. I think it's plain to see that they are building Robbie Eagles for something here. Yeah, um, he's beating one of the best friends of one of the best junior heavyweight championships um, champions of all time, and Ben Bushi's also there. Um, <laughs> poor Bushi. But yeah, Eagles. <laughs> you say poor Bushi, he needs to stop being shit if he wants me to stop making these jokes. Um, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Like, I think Eagles might be like the next challenger for Hiromi, like do that and then I think they might have Osprey win Super Juniors to have him see out um see out Junior. We say this every time Osprey goes on the run, but I think he might win Super Juniors again to face Takahashi for a rematch. I would be incredibly surprised. I mean I I would like to do this before uh, the the people are announced for the best of the Super Juniors tournament this year. I'll be very, very very surprised if they give Offspray another victory, having had him already win it twice. I'd be very surprised if he won it back-to-back. I would like to see Ishimori win it to then set up the Takahashi-Ishimori rematch at Dominion. That would be great. Um, to be fair, there's a lot of people who'd rather see win it than Osprey, but also, like, if we're going to have Chaos and LIJ keep doing mini-feuds, I think that's more what they might do. Yeah, no, I understand that. And obviously, with the the main storyline of Naito and Okada, yeah, I understand be that. Eagles I was just going to say that. I think we will see Eagles have a fantastic tournament, maybe even go to the final. I don't think he's quite built to star level of winning it yet. 
Um, even though, don't get me wrong, I would love to see that. I don't think he's quite that big, that big superstar to win it and then go on to Dominion. Um, I again, I've said before that I think they're doing the Ryuli versus Hiromi match far too early, but their exchanges were great. This match, as a, as an undercard match, I would ask you, I would implore you to go and search this match out because it was great. Yeah, seven out of ten. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Seven out of ten, to be perfectly honest. I bef- I, I preferred it to the um, DIY Mustache Mountain match. Well, I mean, there are there are controversial opinions, Chris, and then there are wrong opinions, and <laughs> that's just one of them. I'm afraid. <laughs> I don't like that fucking match. I know. It's so poorly paced. Nah, I disagree. I disagree. It was a great match. It was a good, fun match, and I enjoyed it. And you're wrong. So, <laughs> nah. Um. We move on then, match five, tag team match, with the Bullet Club team of Kenta and Switchblade Jay White defeating the Los Ingenobles de Japon team of Tetsuya Naito and Sonata at 18 minutes and 24 seconds with Switchblade rolling up Sonata in a schoolboy. Um, this is one of those matches that... This match went too fucking long. It went too long. It was a good match. Um, there was no need for this to go nearly 19 minutes. Absolutely none at all, yeah. And, um, like, honestly, if you're doing the roll-up as the big thing, like, you could have done had a, like, shock five-minute match and have this be much more impactful and much more memorable. That's the thing. I mean, you look at who's in this match. Kenta was never taking the pinfall. Switchblade, Jay White, not taking the pinfall. Tetsuya Knight, obviously, isn't taking the pinfall. Sonata was a walking pinfall here, which is a bit of a shame, really. Um... That, you know, he's got to 2020 and he's a pinfall in a match. Um, I know, like, that's a, that's something normally reserved to Bushi. Exactly. Poor Bushi. Um, there wasn't really a lot to say about this match. It was your standard Bullet Club versus LIJ tag team match. There wasn't really a lot going forward. Obviously, we know what we're getting in Osaka between Jay White and Sonata and obviously between Kenta and Naito in the main event. Nothing was really expanded on in this match nothing was really improved upon in this match it was just there to continue the feud going forward Kenta still an absolute dickhead heel and it is fucking great chris i love Ken- i love i love everything about Kenta right now and like i was one of those few people who weren't down on him in the g1 i was giving him time to readjust and like now that he's readjusted it's just ah i love i love him <laughs> I think it was poor from New Japan when he first came in to try and put him in as a face. Um, I mean, you're talking about the Noah star. You know, you think of Noah, you think about, yeah. you know, him, Marafuji, um, that sort of era. You think about those two. He's a rival company man. He was made to be a heel. And I think the thing that probably turned them was that match against Okada, which was both a sensational match and it was like your head of New Japan against your head of Noah. And you heard the the ridiculous booze that Kenta was getting. I think that was probably the moment they decided, do you know what? We're probably going to turn him heel. And Jesus Christ, Apparently the results. Apparently people in Japan were calling like... Apparently Jim was even one people in Japan, like New Japan fans in Japan were calling him Borg. I wouldn't say he was boring. I would argue that, like you said earlier about having that time to adjust, I think he was working style potentially that was getting you know he was trying to get back into the strong style style um as opposed to the wwe style having worked well, that he, style for two years. he was never 
he was never in the strong style. He was King's Road before, which is very different. It's more taking abuse than dishing it. It's all weird. King, King's Road is very hard to describe, but like it's very different. But his style, in my opinion, his style, not necessarily his matches in Noah, but his style well, was just, still because, a very strong style. But but no, just because there's a bunch, it's a lot of kicks, yeah. Um, and that and that can easily translate over. But also, like, but uh, but it's not just how you work; it's sort of the flow of your match. Fair enough. Like, the, for example, the flow of say Shingo and Goto in the main event here is very different from the show, but from the flow of say Kato Kiyomaya versus um, Go Shiozaki. You love Kiyomaya, don't you? I do love Kiyomaya. What? Like, I, I, want, I was going to bring up Miyahara, but like, I couldn't think of like a uh, recent match that I liked as much as the Shingo Goto match, so I went for Kyo. Oh, this, well, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there to that match. Um, we move on then to match six, a tag team match, which saw the extremely unlikely pairing of Kazuchika Okada and John Moxley losing to the team of Suzuki Gun, Minoru Suzuki and Taichi in 17 minutes and 48 seconds with the Gotch-style pile driver. Moxley taking the pinfoil here, Chris. Yeah, it's, to be fair, in this match, in terms of what they have immediately coming up, he's probably the most disposable, and it's good going into a title defense to have your champion look like he's in peril. It certainly set up a lot. I've loved, over the two days, these matches with Moxley and Suzuki. They are just the match made in heaven. To have them just beat the living shit out of each other repeatedly, it's so great. I absolutely love it. And they do have such great is, chemistry. Moxie's wanted this for ages. His um, his favorite ever New Japan match is Suzuki and Tanahashi from King of Pro Wrestling, which we have reviewed. If you want to go back into the archives, ladies and gentlemen, www.podmania.co.uk. Um, yes, we have a very uncontroversial opinion on that match, but it is amazing. <laughs> yes, yes, we agree with everyone and say that it's amazing. So, actually, you don't actually, need to I go saw and someone listen. Say, no, I saw someone say it was boring because there was no near falls. <laughs> That's just... Right, moving on. Um, <laughs> this was a great way of making Taiji seem like a viable threat. Obviously, the end of the match comes and Taiji beats the living piss out of Okada. Osprey attempts to come down to help. ZSJ comes down, beats up Osprey, and then we get a black Mephisto on the ramp. This did two things. One, it made Taiji look badass, and it was great. And he was getting some cheers as well, considering he was beating up Okada, the face I, of New Japan. It, I also loved um, during this Miho Abe running around saying sorry to everyone. It's it's a staple of the matches now. I absolutely love it. And there's a, there's a point in the main event of the following night that I want to talk to you about in that regard as well. Um, but then, unfortunately for me, it sort of telegraphed that Taichi wasn't coming away from Sapporo with the victory on the second. But again, yeah, I, I have a million, I have a million fucking things to say about that. Um, not well, again. It's all my problems with night two with nothing to do with the result, and Rob doesn't believe me. We'll soon find out, ladies and gentlemen, that the Taichi lover has an issue with Taichi losing. It's amazing, I know. That's, my my issue isn't with Taichi losing. I'll get into it. Okay, should we move on to the semi main then? I have issues with this. I know, so did I. The singles match then, match seven, between Tomohiro Ishii and Evil, with Tomohiro Ishii defeating Evil at 21 minutes and 14 seconds via vertical drop brain buster. Now, Chris, I thought the commentary team, again, 
the commentary team did a fantastic job all night, but them going back and saying that Ishii was currently on a four-match losing streak and Evil a three-match losing streak in singles matches was absolutely brilliant. It added a new dimension to this match. And the fact that they said that Evil had got this issue with Ishii, that he could not beat Ishii in singles competition again, added a new dimension to this match. And that is what the commentary team have done so fucking well, especially over the last two or three months. Yeah, especially since like Chris Charlton's become a staple of the team. It, they've just taken their analytical part. Because like, I, I was going to bring this up the uh, next night, but I'll bring it up here as well. Like, just in how everything's mixed in New Japan, it does feel quite spotlight. So you know, like when you're watching boxing or MMA, they come out to music, but the music isn't blasted up to eleven. Yes. Um, that's it's like that, and then they go over like previous fight history and win streaks. It's what I like about New Japan. It's very like it's sports based, and like well, there's sh- stupid things within sports based because it is still it being sports based because it is still wrestling. Um, it's like very legitimately laid out, which sort of helps you buy into it more, which I enjoy. But very quickly, this match, Evo is getting way too cute for his own good. Explain what you mean by that. Um, a lot of his spots, he repeats them in every fucking singles match he ever gets. And, like, for example, the magic killer off the bread juice. It's a fun spot when it happens once a G1. Yeah, but... Like, honestly, if that... It, but, but when it's every singles match he ever fucking has, I just, I'm starting to get really bored of evil. And then, which is weird because you never see him in singles action. Like, I have the same the issue cup, with Phantasma. Uh, see, I can't, because Phantasma's not been around for years and years and years, I'm kind of not at that stage with Phantasma yet. <sighs> no, I. Like, I I'm, I'm, I'm saying that as someone who watched through the Jacob. Like, uh, but like with Evil, I think it's worse. Um, maybe because he's against. I'm, I was going to say less good opponents, but Ishii's in there. Um, like, don't get me wrong. The last like seven-ish minutes of this match from the ad, having the hot match we wanted, it's amazing. But I'm not rating it high because um, that's not most even most of the match. Most of this match, I was just sort of like, Evil, can you stop being yourself for a minute? <laughs> Yeah, in every evil match, do we need, you know, the magic killer off the referee? Do we need the chair shot, you know, every no, single match? The chair, shot, the chair shot should be devastating. It should be something that, like, leads to the end of the finish. Like, I sound like such an old man right now, but, like, so many of evil singles matches has no sense of basic pacing. <sighs> I, w- I wouldn't say that, necessarily, but I would say that a lot of his spots are becoming... Tiresome. If they're special spots, save them for special matches. And you're right. You look at the Ishii versus Evil match from Don Taku last year. That was literally two bulls hitting each other as hard as they could, and that was fine. This, however, they I don't know whether they were trying to add another dimension to it or whether they were just trying to be, as you mentioned, too cutesy with it. This was still a good match. Don't don't go away thinking that we hated this match. But... It, it was it's it's a fine enough match. It's not a great match, though, and it should be a great match. It's not the best Ishii versus Evil match. Yeah, no, it's not the even. It's probably the worst Ishii versus Evil match. Do we think this is... Well, two questions, Chris. First of all, do you think this is an unofficial number one contendership match for the Never Openweight Championship? 
And B, do you think the right person won? Um, okay, so I think this sort of leads on to the next match in a way. So like, I'll answer the second question on whether the white people won in a second. But in terms of it setting up the open weight title, um, there's so many different challenges. Right, like I said it to you the other day, during the, over the course of these two shows, they set up three challenges, possible challenges, and all of them sort of make me slightly excited. Like two of them because they have a history of great matches with Shingo, who won the open weight title spoilers. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and also um we have a fresh matchup, which is very rare in New Japan nowadays, so Yes, okay, fair enough. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. What rating did you give this match? A six last seven. I was going to leave it up to you. I was going to say seven because, like you say, it was that last seven minutes was exactly what we wanted it to be. I just wish it had been more like that, which is what the Dontaku match was. The Dontaku match was basically that last seven minutes elongated over about 16, 17 minutes. Um, yeah, this is definitely the worst main event of the four main events. Yeah, I think I'd go with that. Because the other, the other four main events crack for sort of 8 out of 10 ceiling. So. Yes, yeah, they do. And we'll get into those shortly. But this last match, the main event of night one, the Never Openweight Championship match with Shingo Takagi, Shingo Takagi, I don't know why I keep getting that wrong, defeating the champion Hiroki Goto at 20 minutes and 20 seconds with the last of the dragon. Chris, this match was fucking great. I didn't have the best initial experience watching this just because it's not quite as good as their destruction match. Like, not quite. Okay. So mostly, um, mostly because sort of a lot of the offense was less sort of cringeworthy. Like, you weren't like, oh, fuck, is he dead? Um, but no, this was still really good. Like, that's, there's one thing I can give to Goto. It's the opposite of what I have with Evil, where, like, Goto's really good at pacing his matches. Even if we are high octane the whole way through, like there's still a sense of escalation. I can't quite believe I'm saying this about Goto. You know, he's a storied veteran, for God's sake. But how much has Goto improved in the last six months? <sighs> Christ, like G1 onwards, I'm down with that Goto. Like, sort of broken. Oh God, they're just using me to hold on to the never title until someone more interesting comes along. Goto, I'm. I'm so happy he's not that anymore. And like, I'm so happy he's sort of working to help this division be an actual division. It's like, again, Evo, Ishii, Shingo, Goto, Toa, Show. These are really good, really consistent people to have in this division. So that's great. And yeah, no, I'm. He, do you know what happened, Rob? He changed his shirt. <laughs> and that made all the difference. Yes, that's probably what it is. Um, that's probably what it is. I absolutely loved this match it was hard hitting it was goto is a fantastic storyteller in the ring he made um shingo look absolutely fucking amazing here that's um made in japan just at the end where hiroki goto kicks out i physically jumped out of my chair i was like holy shit I mean, the fact that this match was only 20 minutes, it felt like they managed to cram an entire 30-minute epic into 20 minutes. It was phenomenal. It was the most 
it's one of the most impressive condensing jobs I've seen. So it's not the most imp- most impressive condensed job I've seen this year. We'll get onto that in a different podcast. <laughs> but like, yeah, they managed to fit an like a thirty forty minute epic into twenty minutes here, which is great. Because I think and it's refreshing considering, especially the next night, how obsessed half of the roster is with having um, half hour epics. Well, yeah, and we will whereas get into this that. Felt like a, whereas this felt like an exception. Well, not an exceptional G one match, but like a really good G one match. I am. On one hand, I'm very sad that Goto lost the championship because, as we've already discussed, Goto's how, improved massively. How weird is it for that to say after, like, the end of the 2018 Young Life? Oh, I know. I know exactly what you mean. But to then put it on Shingo, who himself is such a marketable star, you put Shingo as the never-openweight championship, as the never-openweight champion, sorry, and he can headline so many of your shows... Yeah, okay, not a Dominion. Yeah, okay, not a Kingdom and not a King of Pro Wrestling. But, you know... Taku, yeah, uh, a um, Destruction show. Yeah. Like, last time I was this optimistic about another champion, with, which really enough wasn't Osprey or Ibushi because I knew they wouldn't have the belts for long, was Suzuki. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And again, that culminated in that absolute outstanding match against Goto at Wrestle Kingdom 12. And I think because... Kingdom Goto's great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I think the fact that Goto was playing, you know, the champion in peril, which is what he plays best, and Shingo was playing on just that arrogance, and just he knew that he had what it took to beat Goto, and at no point did he let go. It was absolutely unbelievable. What a match. Please go and check it out. It's a great match. Nine stars. I gave it a high eight, to be honest. Okay, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you nine. I'm not because honestly, I'm going to bully you into submission when we do the Stardom cast after this. But um, yeah, this is still I mean, this is still like an exceptional go out your way to watch this match, especially because it's not half an hour fucking long. Exactly, and I will just point out as well, the Meltzer gave this four and a half stars, so I think that sort of equals out, doesn't it? Really, I know you don't care about Meltzer, just I, go with it. I. I was actually like, I was looking over like what AEW was doing recently just to, because I started watching the, the highlights just to, um, so when Garth talks about whatever the fuck's going on, I don't feel like him when I talk about New Japan. But um, just, he keeps giving like weekly matches on their four and a half stars, and I'm like, oh, right, I'll check it out. And it's like, it was fine. Is there an example? It you was can all give right. Me? I'm, in- I'm intrigued now. Can you give me an example? Um, there was a four way tag match where it was Kenny and Adam Page, Young Bucks, someone else and someone else. And like it was a decent spot fest. I'd give it maybe a seven, like an eight if I was feeling very generous that day. I wouldn't give it four I wouldn't give it four and a half, which equals out to a nine in our ratings. It does. Um but then again you know how much that um good old Dave loves a bit of loves a bit of Kenny, doesn't he, so uh, pour some Kenny on him. Pour some Kenny on him. In the name of stars. Anyway, um, we move then <laughs> to night two. Again, the second New Beginning show in Sapporo in the 2nd of February. And we opened up with a singles match, Toa Hanare defeating Yota Suji. Again, with the outstandingly named 
Toa uh, Bottom. Um, That's the only thing I don't like about Toa right now is that fucking move because it's, it's somehow a shit rock bottom. How do you achieve that? Because the rock bottom's already not a good move. Well, <laughs> the fact that he stopped doing that weird chop thing rather than an elbow, I'm actually on board with him. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, I think it was, I like it better if it was like a Urinagi rather than a rock bottom. But, yeah. You know. Um, I think if that's the, you know, I imagine that won't be his finishing move forever, but for now it fits his gimmick yeah, and no, power. Like, I doubt, I've, I very much doubt that's going to put Shingo away. No, that's, that's Shingo's what I mean. Shingo's just going to get right the fuck back up like fucking Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 12. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Hanari goes over again, not a lot to say here. Yosuji, great fights. I think these two oh, have really good po- chemistry. Well, post-match, Toa did say, I want Shingo. Well... So. You assume that's what he said, because bless him, he didn't half stumble over his promo. Um, but yeah. It was. Like, yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, well, we should probably just fight through this next six-man as well, because who the fuck cares? It's Tenzan, Nakanishi, Tangamas, being Makabe, Homna, and Uimaya, uh, and like it went about as well as you could expect. Moving on. <laughs> really didn't like that match, did you? There's nothing to talk about. Name one thing worth talking about in that fucking match. Um, Uemori and Tiger Mask after Tiger Mask had slagged him off for not being aggressive enough. I thought that was quite good. That was good. Is it Uemaya uh, Jr.? Um, he's certainly built like a junior. If you compare him to Yota Suji, he's definitely a junior. Um, yeah, I was about to say maybe he could be the next Tiger Mask because we keep talking about how like Tiger Mask 4 doesn't have much, much doesn't have a ton Last on him, he's forty nine. So, but again, Eugene Nagata Nagata's about as old as older than fucking Garth. So, he says he wants to wrestle till he's seventy. Eugene Nagata, by the way. Yeah, and I completely believe he can do it. And I would still be scared of him. Um, no, I'm. I like, honestly, I'm really scared he'll find me. <laughs> match like, three. I'm really scared. He just has like a a filter on like his Google Chrome or whatever. But just listens for his name <laughs> like those people that twit um, lo- um saving me is the fact that we save a second name first in japan <laughs> those people that type in their names into twitter to see what's been saying um so match three singles match al fantasmo defeats gabriel kid with the frog splash i'll let you talk about how proud you are of gabriel kid and then I will go on and talk to everyone about how much I dislike Al Fantasma as a single star. Off you go. Okay, that seems like a fair trade-off. I'm so proud of Gabe. Like, honestly, like he was someone you'd see on like undercard. He was very rarely get like featured storylines, but like I'd see him on indie shows all the fucking time. Like, like he'd always, he'd he'd always end up on shows I go to, and. He was solid. He was like he was already solid going in, but like with this young line training, it's definitely gonna propel him to the next level. I kind of like hearing a northern accent in, in a new Japan. Yeah, he certainly embraced the whole foul language thing, didn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. And like honestly, like he look with now that he's cut his hair, he looks so much like older and more aggressive. So like I can believe he actually kicked the shit out of Fantasma for being a cocky little cunt, but. Yeah, no, this this is a just a solid match, and it was very. It's like it's probably the best young line match I've seen in a while, to be honest. And like since last year on a rising, just I think mostly just because I love kids so much. But like this is great. Yeah, um... well, not great. This was good. I'm not saying check it out, but like if you want to see how Gabriel Kidd is doing nowadays, if you were a fan of what culture pro wrestling back in 20 fucking 16, give it a go. I think. <sighs> 
Gabriel could look great here. Let's let's say that right off the bat. And again, the commentary team did a fantastic yeah. job of you know talking about how he was a pro wrestler before, a, you know, a fully fledged pro wrestler. Yet he chose to go to the New Japan Dojo in LA and to work there. Um, did a really good job of building that. Phantasmo for me. And yes, I completely understand that he is you know a good wrestler. Similar to the problem that you have with Evil. I mean. We've got the back rake, we've got the dick punch, we've got the walking across the rope, and this is every single match, every single one, including tag matches. Now, I had a problem in this match as well, because I think, you know, as the experienced star, you are the person that is in charge of pacing, and I don't think this match was paced that well if I'm perfectly honest. And I think a lot of that needs to fall on Phantasmo. Um I just I didn't yeah. I didn't feel this um, match. I didn't feel Phantasmo in this match. I'm sick of the spots. I think he is dragging Ishimori down in that tag team, even though yeah they have all right chemistry like I mentioned before. I don't know. I'm not a fan. Not a fan Crystal. I I do get your dislike of Phantasmo. I do think it's less egregious than Evil, just because the bots are a tiny bit less contrived. They take less time, with the exception of the ball, ball stomp. I will absolutely agree with you with the ball stomp. But like everything else, takes a lot less time to set up. Like you're basically for the back rake, it's just a classic heel tactic. Or you think he's going to do something cool? Back rake. Like I'm not completely high on Phantasmo. I just think he's decent for the division. Like I don't, I can, I, I wouldn't be averse to him holding the title for a short run, is what I'm saying. But like, I think, yeah, I'd rather see Ishimori within Bullet Club push than EOP, which isn't really the direction we seem to be going. Yeah, it worries me that Ishimori, just this absolutely amazing commodity, is being wasted effectively whilst they dick about with um, whatever they're doing with um, Phantasma. I uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens at Best of the Super Juniors. I'd be very, very surprised if Phantasma wins it. Extremely surprised. Um, though, I'll tell you what, they gave him a massive run last year. Like it ended up being like, oh, all of the chaos in main unit were trying to band together to not have him win. Yeah, and again, he won the um, the Super J Cup as well. So they're obviously very high yeah, on him. Yeah, but he didn't really. But some of the matches he had in Jacob, he didn't when he wasn't doing his spots. That's when he showed he was actually really good. Like for example, do you remember his match with Dragon Lee? That was great. It was great, but was that more because like, he was in there with Dragon Lee? I'm trying to yeah, I'm try, actually trying to think of a match EOPs had with someone who was below him in terms of work rate. Exactly, Rocky maybe that was great. Yeah, but that was that was storyline, and I'm sorry, but I think Rocky there, Rocky. Yeah, no, that's not fair. I'm not. I'm not. I think Rocky. I think Rocky and EOP are on the same level in terms of like how they can work, just because of Rocky being a bit older and not wrestling as much anymore. Yeah. Okay. No. Fair enough. I'll I'll give you that one. But you know, you say that Phantasma had a great best of Super Juniors, and he did. But if it's not Osprey and it's not the Rocky match, which had the storyline behind it as well, which helped. Um, Eagles. And Eagles because of the storyline behind it. 
That was it. Yeah, he's someone who can't. He's someone who can't go into a match cold and make it magic. No, exactly. He. I don't think Phantasmo is good enough to lead a match. Whereas you look at those other juniors. You look at Ishimori, who admittedly didn't have the greatest match against Skrull, um, but he was also injured for the majority of this tournament. You look at Dragon Lee. You look at Hiromu. You look at Osprey. You look at even Rocky. Um, they can lead decent matches, and I just don't think. Phantasmo is there, and that might seem a little harsh, but that's how I feel about him it's, as a competitor. It's it's naturally within wrestling. Some people are better as opponents, and some people are better as leaders. And Phantasmo's a really good opponent, but he's still an opponent. I think if he's got the story behind him, like he did in the Best of the Super Juniors in that absolutely phenomenal match against Rocky, then yeah, he can certainly be a great a great competitor. And that's why I said it's a bit harsh to say that was all Rocky because it wasn't. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. He is definitely not a leader when it comes to match quality. Let's fire through another couple of these then. We got a six-man tag team match, match four, between Chaos, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii and Robbie Eagles, again defeating the LIJ team, Bushi, Evil and Shingo with the Ron Miller special. This match was really fun. He had um, five of the most intriguing people in New Japan and Bushi. So <laughs> you were you desperate to get that in, weren't you? Absolutely desperate. I'm, I'm really sad he's not in Osaka. Um, obviously, this was setting up the uh, Never Openweight Six Man Championships on the Road Two show that happened on Thursday. Um, spoiler: um, Bushi pinned Robbie Eagles so that Lij retained. So we're still two belt Shingo. Um, but I really like the storyline in this match that Shingo and Evil weren't asked about this match at all and weren't asked to a certain degree about Bushi. They were more interested in beating the shit out of Goto and Ishii to the point where Eagles was able to get the pin over Bushi. Um, you know I just really remind, enjoyed that. You know, you know what that reminded me of? Um, you know you know the tag... We're going to talk about this more in depth from the stardom cast, but you know the um, Jungle Konami versus Hader and B match? Yes. Uh, most of the match... Um, Jamie and Kiona were more preoccupied with beating the shit out of each other. That's what that reminds me. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what it was. It was a great match, and obviously you look at who's in this match and Bushi, and you think... <laughs> Don't sit, but you, have the, you have your million ways of saying Daki, and I have, and Bushi. Stop, and, right, for that, I get to call, I get to make up the Dookie um, pronunciation in the next match. Okay, but I am just going to warn you that I came up with the uh, Bushi thing first. If you go back into the archives, no, I, didn't. I did, I'm afraid. When? It was in the preview show. But I did it. No, you did it because I did it, Chris. And it's okay. I'm a great no, person I, to emulate. I'm a great person to look up to, Chris. It's fine. Fucking healing out of me right now. <laughs> Let's agree that we can both use it. And if you want to come up with a weird name for Dauki, you can. Okay. Oh. Anyway, so it was a great match. I'd give it seven again. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, have you seen the title match from the next day yet? Uh, the t- well, not the next day from the next um, from the Kurokin show. The the um, never open weight yeah. six man tag. No, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually really good. Well, I say really good. It's about as good as this. I'll Except go. Evil and Shingo give a bit more of a shit. Well, because the titles are on the line, I was just going to say. Not because of Bushi. No, not because of Bushi. Paul Bushi. Actually, no, not Paul Bushi. Fuck Bushi. Anyway, the next match <laughs> was Rapungi Fruquet, John Moxley, and Taguchi versus the Suzuki Gun team of Desperado, Suzuki, Kanemaru, and Dahaki. Um, <laughs> we're, we're running out of... Quite, 
quite frankly, we're running out of vowels, so we need to sign certain consonants. We do, we do. Um, again, Taguchi going over with the oh my anger ankle. Um, but this match wasn't about this. And to be fair, this match wasn't even about the incoming IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. This match was solely about Suzuki and Moxley, to the point where at the end of the match, Moxley forgot his fucking belt. Yeah, did you see that? And then Taguchi was holding it backstage going, well, well I guess this is mine now. Um, <laughs> I love the fact that he held it I, up I, at, the end of the, at the end of the evening. It was great. I love, what I love about Moxley and Suzuki's dynamic is that we very clearly want to hate fuck each other. Yes, they're so into each other, yet so not into each other. It's great. Yeah, it's kind of like Hannah and Julia in um, Stardom. Yeah, yeah, they have a begrudging respect. Yeah, a begrudging, oh my god, this man is so sexy. <laughs> like, begrud- begrud- it's, begrud- it's begrudge homoeroticism. Yes, yeah, why Which not? Which is the name of a Podmania band. <laughs> um, to be perfectly honest, I mean, in-ring quality-wise, it, there's not a lot. Um, the the match finished, like I say, with Taguchi uh, getting the submission victory over Dauki um, with the Omine and Garankel. Um and then Moxley and Suzuki uh, continued to fight backstage, where Moxley then kissed Minoru Suzuki, which was absolutely fantastic, and but sort of goes on to what does, Chris said. Does, yeah, it does back up what I'm claiming, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, again, to be honest, I'd give it six stars. I don't think it was anything special, um, but just for those Moxley and Suzuki spots, I'd give it six, Chris. Yeah, it's this, it's that it's it's that um, brush above average. And honestly, any time we can say the hacky's name, um, this brings <laughs> it warms the cockles of our hearts. The... <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to come up with some really entertaining ones. Um, match we're gonna six. Have then to make, like a list. We're gonna have like a Google Drive just with weird ways of saying Dookie. Yeah. We're gonna bring in Gaff, and he's not gonna know what the fuck. He's not gonna know who Dookie is, but we're still gonna get. Hey, hi, Gaff. Come off with a million ways to say this. Who the hell is Dow Tanky? Um, match six then. <laughs> Six-man tag team match with the t- uh, LIJ team, Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, and Hiromu Takahashi defeating the Bullet Club team of Kenta, switched by Jay White and Taji Shimori at 15 minutes and 34 seconds with uh, Sonata getting the victory over Ishimori with the skull end. Um, not a lot to say about this match again. It was, it was good. It was... There, it was there to forward storylines, but not a lot to come out of this match, Chris. No, like honestly, if we wanted like a four guy in the other team, I don't know why we didn't. Oh no, because Yujiro was in. I was going to say bringing Yujiro, but he's in America, isn't he? So we can't do that. That's a shame. Um, I cannot believe you just said that. That it's a shame that Yujiro wasn't on this show. Jesus Christ, Chris. Who would you rather take the fucking pin, Rob? Um, Sonada, to be honest. Yeah, but like Sonada has a storyline going on. So. Does he though? Does he really? Well, he has a match. That's what constitutes a storyline. I was just going to say that's not a storyline. Uh, that's a match. Yeah, no, it's basically. I think that match. It's like when they signed two um, tag team wrestlers on a, a on a um, undercard, so we don't interfere in the match later on. Um, but yeah, like honestly, Ishimori has the least going for him right now, which I know you hate, but like one good Super Juniors will fix him. So, And I think he is going to do well in the Super Juniors. It, it's just the fact does, that of all the Cole things... Does fix you play every time you see Ishimori? I think it's the fact that Sonata put him away with the fucking skull end as well, and it's just the worst. <laughs> just 
Just put him away with the moonsault like you do everyone else. Don't fuck about with the skull end. Jesus Christ. Either either don't fuck about with it full stop or learn how to do it properly. Because it's shit at the moment. And I think we can all agree that. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favourite things from Rattle Kingdom with Zack going. <laughs> um, oh, with um, Tatsumi Fujinami in the building, you should be ashamed. <laughs> Oh, I love Zach. And speaking of Zach Sabre Jr., Chris, look at that. Segway. Look at the segue. Uh, match seven, British Heavyweight Championship match with Zach Sabre Jr., the current champion, defeating Will Ospreay at 27 minutes and four seconds after a referee stoppage on the grounded Cobra twist. Holy fuck. Okay, so, like, there's two types of stories in wrestling. One is, like, the outward story. So, like, the outward story in this match would be, like, Osprey wants that British title. He's never won the British title, despite being probably the face of British wrestling within the 2010s. So he wants it, and that's why he's facing Zach. Also, Zach's a bit of a cunt. But now there was this internal story in this match, which was amazing, which is Osprey needs space to create bombs, and Zach Sabre Jr. desperately can't let Will Osprey create space because he'll lose. You've summed up. And that was the story of this match. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, because, to be perfectly honest... <laughs> It, it did make me laugh that the RevPro title uh, has only actually been defended four times in RevPro over the last, I think it's the last year. It's actually been defended more in New Japan. So it's probably seen as more of a New no, Japan yeah, title. I was, gonna, I was actually going to bring this up, like it's never defended. And like all the defenses in, with the exception of Pac, it's not against like names you care about. <laughs> no, not really. And they're, they're not exactly built up storyline wise, are they? No, I'm gonna. Well, I wouldn't know. I don't watch Rev Pro. I'd ask a fan of Rev Pro, but I literally don't fucking know any. No, where, you, you seem to take every opportunity you possibly can to rag on Rev Pro. To be perfectly honest, but, be, because it's all I, it's what I, it's the worst parts of what culture they do. They base their shows about around having big matches rather than like telling a story. <sighs> Whereas, like to the point where I am more invested in a match between, say, Chris Brooks and Karen Noir. It to fairly lesser stars in a progress main event of the dial than I do, um, say, Pac versus Sabre Jr. Because I know there's going to be a screwy finish because they're both big stars from different companies. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, we've got Osprey completely changing his game partway through this match. Um, as you mentioned before, Zach was quite clearly trying to make sure that he stayed on top of Osprey at all possible times, not wanting him to run at the ropes, not wanting him to get anywhere near the space he needed to deliver a high part of his offense. Um, but Osprey sort of changed it halfway through, and it started with that um, figure four, which was locked in for fucking ages. Absolutely it was ages. It, you could go off and make some rice and come back. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, you've got Osprey's neck again being targeted by Zack and the shoulder with those high-angle fucking... Oh, that fucking high-angled suplex. Jesus Christ. It, it's, it does make you sort of go, ah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Awful. Um, then you've got... Um, Osprey constantly trying to manoeuvre Zack into the Stormbreaker and Zack trying desperately to manoeuvre out of the Stormbreaker, which was great, led to some really, really, really good exchanges. Um, there was... Zack has quite the lip on him, doesn't he? He really does. <laughs> I'm amazed Just... this match didn't end about 14 times before it actually did. Yeah, no, that's... I'm so, um, to be fair, 
first time I watched it, I didn't even realise it was almost half an hour long. This felt like 15 minutes. Osprey has become so good, and Zach as well, but Zach's always been good at this, at pacing matches. It's it's that thing we talked about with the Evil match, that thing we talked about with the, with the Phantasmo match, that they can time a match beautifully. And even though, you know, you've got your usual fast start, slow middle, fast end, this didn't seem to slow down at all, even with the submission game of Zack and Osprey adopting that submission game when he realised that his plan A wouldn't work so much. Um, I thought, yeah, this match was absolutely fantastic. Probably match of the two nights. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I don't care about the outward story because, quite frankly, I cannot bring myself to care about the British Heavyweight Championship. Like, let me put it this way, Rob. How much would you care if, say, the fucking defy championship was defended in new japan how much would you care about the championship at that point uh it depends is zach still champion no that's the thing I, I care about the men in this match i could not i would have cared about this much as much if it was a special singles match as i would if it was for this title i read honestly this title had nothing to this match for me no the commentary team again you know again props to the commentary team had to work very 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 hard to make me give a shit about the Rev Pro title. It worked very hard. And while I admit they did a really good job at making the title seem to matter more, I know better. <laughs> like and like we both know better. Like honestly, like the only time like I think with Ryan with Ryan said the only time we bothered watching Rev Pro at all last year was when they gave away a free trial so we could watch Osprey versus Pack. Of course, the high stakes match. Which this year, ironically no, is a rematch no, between Osprey and Zach versus Osprey. See, at least that's at least that's the story. Like with Osprey and Pack, it was just and to be fair, Osprey and Pack was still really good. But also, like again, you sort of knew it was it was going to be a bit screwy because Pack refused to lose while he was the Dragon Gate champion. It sort of hindered booking a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, and then like they could have, and then like even then, like the pointless CCK um, interference. Yeah, um, that was just set up. What's it there, wasn't it? Oh no, no, no! That was pointless. Was... It was pointless. What? Now I agree. I thought there was a storyline coming out of it, but there wasn't. <laughs> that was bollocks. I remember this match up... now. It was... it was meant to set up a tag match, but then Pack didn't have a visa, so it just looked like they just. Which gone... they really should check before. We... Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but still, this match was amazing. Like, honestly, just honestly, I think Zack Sabre Jr. can just have a feud with anyone because he's just that much of a cunt. I'd give it 10, to be perfectly honest. I thought it was that good. You'd give it 10. I'd, I'd give it a high nine. Um, I think the fact there was nothing really coming out of, this, of consequence for, for New Japan itself kind of hinders it for me. Okay. Like, don't get me wrong, it's definitely contender for match of the year, like, but like, I can't quite agree with a 10. Is that just because it was the British title? It's not just because it's the Rev Pro I, I'd feel the same if it was, again, I'd feel the same if it was a, for special singles match. Like, on, this doesn't this doesn't really set up anything for the future. So, like, I think a 10 needs to make some sort of booking sense in terms of, like, booking this match is pretty empty. I mean, it's the start of what seems to be a feud for this title. If you look at what Rev Pro have booked for high stakes, it seems to be you know, the start of perhaps a trilogy, which I'd be very, very happy with. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. 
Moving on then, main event. Speaking of special singles matches, we have the main event of Sapporo Night 2 with Kazuchika Okada defeating Taichi at 30 minutes and 53 seconds with the Rainmaker. Chris, I give you the floor. Right, okay. So, like, okay, I'm going to mention my problems with this match without mentioning the results once, okay? Okay. I wanted something different in this match from what we get in every other fucking Okada match, and I thought Taichi was a perfect opponent to try that out. Okay. Because, honestly, this match was amazing. This match was great. This match was probably my second favourite all weekend, to be honest. Um... That it flowed really well. Um, tai Chi did Tai Chi did a really good job of working a story into the match with Okada's neck because God knows Okada didn't really fucking sell it. Um, just this had very much Cena wins low booking where like you you've stacked every deck against Okada and then he and for him to overcome uh, like for no other reason but you need Okada to look strong. So like they, this match. The, perp- the booking purpose of this match I am not massive on and like the way they booked it the way they didn't make it at all different this was like this is like a Sonata Okada match or like any of Okada's singles matches from his last year of having the title like quite frankly if Okada away from the title it's just going to be Okada without the title I, 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 I fail to care I really do are you done? No, because I actually want to praise this match a wee bit. This match was great. Like Tai Chi is at his best when he's doing his koala impression, and he was full on doing a koala impression here, and it was great. Are you done now? Right, fine. You can talk. Okay, I agree with you on almost all the counts. Um, I don't think Okada should have won. I think Tai Chi should have won. Um because you need to... I think you need to knock Okada down and then build him back up. I think you also had the chance here to build someone who is effectively a mid-carder into an upper mid-carder, challenging for that IC championship in Taichi. Um, You know, I don't think it needed to go 30 minutes at all. I think this match went at least 10 minutes too long. Um, this match I, could have been I over agree, in 20. I agree, but also it was still... You see how conflicted it... Can you sort of see how conflicted it is? Because this was still like 8 push verging on 9 out of 10 match, right? Oh, I gave it 8, yeah. But it's in the, it's in the completely wrong context. If this was a title match for Okada's... Um, when Okada was champion, I'd be completely fine with this match, but it's not. In the, in the broad scheme of booking... You need Okada to put a few people over. Like, and I remember someone. Compl- I saw someone complain how because a, fa- a fair few people sort of share my viewpoint where Okada, uh, well, our viewpoint where Okada needs to be knocked down. But I saw someone complaining, going, "Well, he did that when he lost the championship last time." I'm like, "No, he didn't. He lost two matches to um, through interference and cheating." And do you really call that being knocked down? <sighs> like he lost his ESJ and JY. Oh, boo, fucking who? He then went on to um, draw with the winner of his block in the G1. So, like, quite frankly, Okada's never been had that post-championship knock down the card. And, like, being knocked down the card isn't necessarily a bad thing, because we've seen Okada in the main event context for so long now, 
where I think seeing him in a different context might bring something more out of him. I love that broken Rainmaker shtick, but we never had him not act like Okada during that whole time. Yeah, and I understand that. Where would you put Okada? Here's the thing. Whatever I say, people will be like, oh, no, but he's the world champion. But honestly, like, I'd ever have him go on like, a losing streak and maybe come back in a G1 or a cup. Or I'd have him in like one of the lower one of the lower tag divisions. Like, I'd have, maybe I'd put him in the tag division. He has a tag team with Tanahashi. What the fuck not? Like, honestly, putting him in a different context to help him build a different division for a while isn't a bad thing. Because, honestly, he can, he's at the age where he can take half a year to do that shit, right? Everyone, every great ace has been put in a um, lower championship standing for a little while to help build it. Happened with Nakamura. Everyone still fucking loved him. Even if you go into like the nineties of all Japan, it happened with Misawa. Happened with Kabashi. Happened with Kawada. Happened with Tawei. It's just what it's just like the natural order um, order of things, and we just don't let it happen to Okada because they want him to be godlike. And like, and once again, even if this match was like 20, 15, 20 minutes long with a bunch of Tai Chi shenanigans, I might not have this complaint. But like the way it's set up, it's set up like any other Okada match, and I'm sick of every other Okada match. Just have a think about what you're complaining about there. I'm complaining about good, yeah, but like, I'm trying to think. You know how people don't like Marvel movies because despite being objectively really good, um, it's a formula and people get sick of that formula. That's where I am with Okada. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Because honestly, if someone got into New Japan a couple years ago, they probably don't have the same problem. I've been watching New Japan for five years and seen Okada having a very similar kind of match for that whole time. But then again, it's still a very, very good match. And... It's, it's still very good. No, it's still very good. But like, um, you don't, you things having that a defined beginning and end point for errors of Okada, errors of things. For example, the Beatles are so well known because they had that defined eight years and then stopped. Like, I'm not saying Okada should stop. I'm saying he should hold back for a wee bit and then have, make a miraculous comeback. Again, I know I'm complaining about something that is still ultimately a really good match, but like in on a pure booking level, it's not satisfying me at all. And I'm again, I would be making the same complaints if it was literally anyone else on the card this happened to. It just so happened to happen to my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's, it's not like I've not been making these complaints about Okada. I've been doing this for months now. <laughs> I think we've got to remember is, though, Chris, Okada is a needle mover. Okada is the person that you rely on to sell tickets. You shove him down the card, and even, you know, I'm not saying it's the right thing, I'm not saying it's the wrong thing, I'm saying you move him down the card, you miss out on money, you miss out on ticket sales. And With him in the tag team division, you can put the tag team division in the main event. Well, who would you tag him with? Tanahashi. Tanahashi's with Tanahashi's Ibushi. Tanahashi's in the tag team. Well, Okada and Tanahashi already had a fucking tag team, so they just threw Ibushi in there. Because honestly, honestly, Ibushi needs to go on this fucking losing arc anyway. So, like, Tanahashi and Okada dominated the tag division, quite frankly, makes more sense to me. Like, I know I know, still over, overall he's having great matches, but, like, that's not, that's not the only thing I want in New Japan. I want satisfying booking, which this, this specific Okada angle isn't necessarily given me. But what, okay, would you have Okada maybe in the IC title picture? I would have Okada wrestling any in any way apart from how he is right now because it's the way he's been wrestling for years and he needs to change it up for a little fucking while to sort of sell the fact that he just lost the title. 
Yeah, and like you said, Cause honestly, because on because the way this match is set up, it's feeling like Okada's gonna get a championship match very fucking soon. Yeah, because they said about if Tai Chi wins this match, it puts him to the front of the queue. At the front of the queue. Well, he didn't win; Okada did. So does that mean Okada's back at the front of the queue? That means no, exactly. And again, I I understand like if Okada in the main event, it's gonna be fucking great, but. Again, Okada's the Marvel movies of wrestling right now, where I'm still going to enjoy everything, but I'm still going to like see the holes because he's been doing the same thing for years now. Yeah. A um, couple of good things to note about this um, match, though. I thought Taichi... Oh, this match was still great. Yeah. Again. Taichi had a great showing, great account of himself. I thought the counter from the Rainmaker into the Black Mephisto was great. I thought Mio Habe, um after Okada went over the uh, barricade into the crossbody onto Tai Chi. I thought her putting the barricade back up and making sure everything was all right was great because she's just a darling. Is she the best best manager in New Japan right now? Uh, Isn't she the only manager in New Japan, apart from Rocky? Gato? Gato? Jado? Jado isn't a manager. He manages G.O.D. No, he does not. But No, yeah, and also um, the the series of backdrop drivers. Oh, God, yeah. Like, have you ever seen Steve Williams versus Kenta Kabashi? No. Um, it, that ends with the Steve Williams backdropping Kabashi like a million times. Oh, God. I don't want to see that. No, exactly. Uh, well, tough is on the list for um, a possible classic one day. Ooh, <laughs> maybe. I look forward to it. So, to be fair, you like Sam Hansen, so like you don't want to see it, but you really do. I sort of do, yeah, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> So, anyway, that is our review of the Sapporo shows. Um, overall, really, really, really good shows. Obviously, building towards the main show in Osaka. Osaka, of course, which is now officially a complete sellout, as it should have been, because the card is fucking stacked. Um, of course, you can check out our preview of that in a previous podcast if you want to check out the archives. I encourage you to check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk, to check out all our archive podcasts as well as the match rating archives as well. You can check out the podcast itself on all manner of podcasting platforms. Please make sure to subscribe, give us a five-star review, comment. It all helps. Um, talk to us on Twitter at the Young Lion Cast. Um, you can talk to me on Twitter at Real Rob Goodwin. I'm not even going to bother throwing to Chris here because he doesn't have one. Do you, Chris? No, the only thing I've used my Twitter, uh, my main Twitter for in the last few... Well, I like he said you're not going to throw to me and then you did. Um, <laughs> my main Twitter for was because... Um, Rob then wished me happy birthday from the main... Oh, it was either Rob or Garth, but I feel like Garth would have put on a Tai Chi card if he'd have done it. Um, wish me happy birthday. I'm like, well, I can't say thank you through the Podmania thing. And quite frankly, because if anyone's following my page, they probably know I um, just use it as my own twi- Twitter. They probably think I just said happy birthday to myself. Yeah, there is that. And don't forget as well, um, you use it to start Twitter beefs with Jim Cornette. I didn't start the beef. He never he th- never saw it because he never blocked us because he know what he's like with dissenting opinions. But he's in this weird feud with Dave Meltzer. I'm like, it's such a stupid feud. He's basically, oh, Dave has a different opinion than me. I don't fucking like it. And I'm sort of like, calm down, Jim. I, I can help you through this hard time. I've, I also have had people disagree with me on many important things like how good Taichi is or 
what it, what is and isn't a robbery. But it's just like I, honestly, he's every time I see him, he's just someone throwing babies. He just throw, some a baby throwing his toys out of a pram. Anything else you want to say to Jim Cornette on the off chance he listens to this podcast? Um, grow up, you fucking baby. And on that bombshell, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the Young Lioncast, and we will talk to you guys again next Wednesday when we review the Osaka show. Goodbye. Bye.